Hey guys, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Campus Safety Voices podcast. My name is Amy Rock and I am Campus Safety Senior Editor. And for today's episode, I had the chance to speak to Jessica Mertz, Executive Director for the Cleary Center. And we talked about sexual violence prevention on college campuses. More specifically, we spoke about recent college student protests regarding an influx in campus sexual violence, particularly in Greek life. Action school administrators must take to address an increase in incidents and the culture surrounding it. How students can be advocates for themselves and also for others. Tools that are available to aid in doing so. And also questions parents and students should be asking prospective schools about its crime reporting and sexual violence prevention policies. Here's our chat. Be sure to subscribe to Campus Safety's YouTube channel and like or leave a comment on our videos or subscribe to our Campus Safety Voices podcast on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. So I guess it would be important to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background and you know what you do at the Cleary Center. Sure, yeah. Uh, my name is Jessica Mertz. I am the executive director of Cleary Center. Uh, we are a national nonprofit that works with colleges and institutions across the country to really help them improve their practices around campus safety. Um, given our history, we have a particular focus on you know, building compliance with the Clery Act and really look at the Clery Act as a, a roadmap for institutions to improve some of their campus safety you know, policies and practices and procedures. Um, so we have a, a number of trainings that we offer throughout the year. We also have a membership program. So uh, institutions can join the membership program and then we provide sort of ongoing support and technical assistance. So not busy at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess the main conversation that we're going to speak to is um, sexual assault on college campuses. And last year uh, we had said there were nationwide protests about sexual assaults, uh, more specifically in Greek life. So what were they protesting? What were they demanding? And have you seen changes come out of these protests? Yeah, so my background is actually in working in um, preventing interpersonal violence. I had spent many years at, a, at an institution and have sort of studied and researched sexual violence prevention and response for some time. And so, you know, looking at the student activism about sexual violence that was occurring last year, we know that it, it's obviously not new. You know, there has been, um, student activism and protests trying to create change at institutions for decades. And I always think it's important to remember that we actually owe a lot to those student voices. They're, you know, they're responsible for a lot of the really meaningful change that has happened over the past nearly 50 years. Um, I think last year, a big part of the message that I think students across the country were communicating is that, um, was really a call to institutions to recognize and acknowledge specific environments in which they think sexual assault and, and other forms of harm and discrimination are being enabled. Um, you know, on college campuses, there's, there's communities and there's student organizations in particular that will hold a certain degree of power um, that might be for different reasons. It might be because of their identity. It might be because they have a social capital on campus. But I think that power really gives them the ability to set some of the social norms at that institution on that campus. And those social norms are part of this you know, larger problem, this 
that might be creating sort of dangerous environments or problematic environments for students. So it's really this combination of things. I think that students, student voices right now are trying to make those connections more than ever to say that this isn't just about groups that aren't being held accountable. It's about these groups that are really given this power and this privilege and this ability to determine, you know, what's okay and what, what's happening um, and to not be, uh, and, and first, you know, asking institutions to really recognize that um, and to hold them responsible and to try and create some more comprehensive and meaningful change um, rather than just looking at sexual assault as an individual person's actions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know people we speak to um, in the healthcare realm, they say how um, hospitals are just kind of like a reflection in a lot of ways of what's going on in society. So it's kind of like a, a smaller version of what's mm -hmm. happening in mm -hmm. like certain people that have privileges over others like these microcosms are also in college campuses and K through 12 schools and hospitals as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talk about that all the time that colleges uh, are often just a microcosm of, you know, the rest of the rest of the country. And I think, you know, obviously there's varying degrees of resources that institutions have, but I always think about um, institutions of higher ed as having this really unique and important responsibility because they are this microcosm. They often have access to resources, whether it's, you know, research or, you know, staffing that could actually create some meaningful change that could set some standards to be used in, in other communities. Um, and I think that there's, um, you know, we've looked at obviously, you know, with the Me Too movement and so many conversations that have been had in, in different sectors and different areas and industries around sexual violence. And I, I think as a society, we've come to recognize more and more that it's it's not just, again, like a person's actions and a person's decisions or a person abusing their power, that there's all of these other things happening that are enabling that or empowering them or even rewarding that bad behavior. And so I think this is, you know, we're just seeing that that version of this at institutions where we're, students are asking the institution to recognize like, how are we all creating this environment or how are we all enabling this behavior to continue? It's clearly very complicated and not, not one answer to it all. It's not like, you know, put this policy in place and your problems are solved. It's like, it's just a, a wider issue, obviously, as a society. Um, and I know, I feel like all, a lot of times, um, you know, the discussion of sexual violence or sexual assaults um, revolves around Greek life. Now, obviously there are so many of them that are doing wonderful things. And um, I think it's obviously important to say that we know that sexual assaults or sexual violence aren't only happening at these types of places. So what actions can uh, school administrators take to address higher incidents um, of sexual violence in Greek life, but also just like throughout a campus as a whole? Yeah, I mean, we know that there's institutions that don't even have Greek life, right? And that doesn't mean they don't have problems with sexual violence. Um, I think it's really important, like you're saying, that the, this is a much more complex problem to understand and to address and to prevent than, um, than just creating a, you know, a policy or a singular prevention program. So I think it's really important for school administrators and campus leaders to take the time to understand the, their specific environment and the community factors at their institution that are leading to increased risk of sexual assault. So what is it about your, you know, your community, your environment? What are students' experiences? 
you know, some of that can happen through um, these uh, climate surveys that have happened over the years. Some of it can happen by just building relationships with students and building trust and getting to know them and listening to them. Um, but it is, it really isn't a one size fits all model, you know, that there might be in different schools, different environments or different uh, groups or different student organizations where there is, you know, increased risk or there is more um, assaults happening. So really taking the time to know your specific institution's culture, I think is, is important and not just ignoring that. Um, you know, we always look to the Cleary Act um, to help students, I mean, to, sorry, help uh, colleges and universities sort of build a roadmap. We think that it creates a useful starting point, a useful, useful roadmap for how to address sexual assault with a more comprehensive approach because it's looking at building prevent, effective prevention programs, ideally having transparent policies and procedures and making sure students know their rights and their options. So, you know, it's three of those really core components of what we think needs to be happening all at the same time. Okay. And obviously it's important what school administrators and colleges are doing uh, to protect their students, but um, there's no matter what you do, there's also, there's always inherent risk just anywhere. And so how can students advocate for and empower themselves? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to talk about um, students, you know, safety when it comes to sexual assault, because we know that the majority of sexual assaults are being perpetrated by somebody that the person might know or trust. So, you know, we're often sort of letting our guard down in those scenarios and not thinking about being at some sort of an increased risk. But the thing that we talk to students about is encouraging them to, first of all, think more broadly about the role that they can play in um, creating a safer campus environment, you know, whether it's supporting their friends or speaking up and being an active bystander. Um, and then I think for individual student safety, what I always ask students to think about is what is going to make you feel safer? You know, what's going to make you feel uh, less vulnerable? What's going to make you feel, you know, more confident and empowered and more a part of this community? Um, is that going to be finding a community group of, you know, an organization that you feel safe in, that you feel connected to? Is it learning about the rights and the resources that you have and better understanding the policies? Um, you know, what are the things that are going to make you really feel like a, a, a you know, a part of this, this, this sort of environment and this community in a safe way? Um, and then we talk about some of the, the sort of, you know, day-to-day -day just, and this is not just about sexual assault, but in general, you know, feeling safe on your campus community and, um, different strategies that that folks can use and I think having a general awareness of your surroundings of you know where you are and where you need to be and how to get from point A to point B and um, you know thinking about a safety plan and, and talking to your friends proactively about that. I think so often college students aren't thinking of themselves necessarily as being at risk for, for any type of you know harm or abuse and so it's hard because we don't want to make them fearful. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that having that sense of awareness helps you really think through, you know, what if, who would I call if X happened, you know, who can I trust, who can I reach out to and try and really build out that safety plan for themselves. What are uh, some safety tools you recommend students have on hand to protect themselves? 
Yeah. Again, I, I really think about it as less about protecting yourself and more about what are the things that you have on hand that are going to make you feel safe or that are going to, you know, help you if you were, if you find yourself in an unsafe situation or an emergency. Um, and this again goes beyond just thinking about sexual assault, but you know, in any sort of scenario that could come up for, for folks, um, we know that students are most li likely to have their phone on them, that they, you know, are very connected to their, their technology and their phones. So thinking about how can your phone be a resource for you, a tool for you, you know, there are a number of safety apps that are provided, um, schools themselves might provide them, but thinking about, you know, how could I, how could I utilize my phone in an emergency? Um, thinking about other sort of identi identification that you have on hand. Um, again, like knowing your way around a certain environment, uh, knowing how to get, get out of a building if you needed to, things like that, that are just sort of general awareness. But we forget often that college students are usually in completely new environments. You know, they, they don't know all of these things that this is, these are all new places for them. So um, I think it's just important to take some of that time to really feel familiar and comfortable and safe with, with where you are. Yeah, and I think for a lot of them, it's obviously their first time being away from home. And that's just like learning to be like an advocate for yourself. Whereas, you know, if you lived at home, you, you had, trusted your parents to keep you safe or your, you know, your school teachers in yeah. uh, K through 12. But then when you go to college, it's just like a completely different world and environment. And it's just like, I overwhelming. I mean, obviously I remember going to college and just, you kind of, I mean, I think now I graduated in 2011. So I feel like there's been like a lot more awareness brought about, about like mm -hmm. the dangers that can happen. But I remember being at parties and stuff and like that was stuff that I feel like hardly ever crossed my mind when that's mortifying now, because that's something that should have been like, you know, not living fearfully, but just being aware of your surroundings. And it's just, it's a lot for kids to take in when they're 18 years old, like they're babies. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And especially, you know, that's why we think, you know, from our perspective and the work we do, it's so important that institutions are really putting the work in to build trust because usually there are some really good tools and resources that a school is offering, you know, whether it's through public safety or through, you know, campus housing. And in order for students to utilize them, they have to know what they are and they have to trust that you're going to, you know, you're going to be supportive and non-judgmental and listen to them. And so I think, you know, that awareness raising and that trust building is so important because they're not going to, they're not going to utilize those, those resources if they don't know they're there and they don't, uh, and they don't trust them. Right. And um, speaking about like feeling safe in your surroundings, we have said on campus safety, we a lot of times people will send us these lists that are like, look, our school made the safest schools in America list. And we don't cover those because it's just, there's just so much that goes into what makes a, a school safe that it's just way more complicated than like a small mm -hmm. amount of statistics. And so um, we know you say solely can't go by that number because oftentimes schools with higher reported crimes have the proper uh, reporting measures in place for students. And a lot of times the safer schools might be the ones that have higher reported crimes, whether sexual violence or any sort. So it's yeah. obviously very complex for parents trying to find a 
you know, a school that they, they feel comfortable with their child attending. So for parents or students who are in the process of applying to schools, what are some questions they should be asking their prospective schools about campus safety and I guess more specifically sexual violence prevention to help them determine if a school is safe? Yeah, it is really hard. And it's such a difficult thing for families to navigate because there's so many things that you're looking at and, you know, factors you're considering when making a school decision, a big decision like that. And I would say first and foremost, even before looking at what, uh, at the institution itself, I would say the priority is having a conversation with your student, you know, and talking to them about what, uh, what concerns they might have and what safety issues they might be, you know, worried about and just making sure there's that open dialogue there so that, you know, you're not just as a, as a parent, especially focusing on like what your concerns are, because parents often get it wrong. You know, what they're, what they're thinking is like the biggest risk or the, you know, the biggest issue might not be aligned with what their, the student is or what the reality of like, you know, young people's experiences are. Um, so just having that conversation and that dialogue and, and really understanding like, what is it that's going to make my student in particular feel safe and, you know, be in an environment and be in a community where they feel supported and, you know, feel like it's a place that they want to be. Um, when looking at, at schools, we always encourage parents to look at the annual security report. Obviously, that's there for a reason that the ASR should be providing information about the school's policies and prevention efforts. And of course, it's crime statistics related to sexual violence, um, dating, domestic violence, and stalking. Um, and if that's not easy to find, or if it doesn't have, you know, the information it should in it, that to me would be a little bit of a red flag, or at least, you know, tell you um, that you should dig a little bit deeper and inquire some more. I think it's, um, if it's easy to find information about a school's resources and their prevention efforts related to sexual violence, and that will tell you a lot about that school's transparency and how much of a priority it is, you know if it's easy for you to find it without having to like get a person on the phone, then that tells you it's gonna be easy for your student to find it too. And, and I think that, that that in itself is is a good indicator that it's something that the school is really taking seriously and addressing more comprehensively. Um, and if you are you know, having a conversation or if you're able to actually talk to people about it, I think the question I would encourage families to ask is, what is the school's approach? What's their philosophy, you know, to addressing sexual assault? And to see, again, I think that response will tell you a lot about, are they trying to, um, you know, sort of ignore this issue or downplay this issue or, um, you know, pretend like it's, it's not something that needs to be dealt with or are they recognizing the reality of it and really putting the time and resources into making their students safer. So I think that transparency really um, will tell you a lot and, um, and, you know, will increase the likelihood that your student will feel safe and will, will have a, be able to build some trust with, with administrators at the institution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like sometimes parents they're older than they think they are. So they think they're like so in touch with like how things are going like in the world of younger people. And I mean, I'm guilty of it now having little kids where I like, yeah. you think you're so aware of what's going on, but you're, you're not the one, you know, living through what young people are living through. So the best thing is to just talk to them. So, yeah. And what, and from my experience at an institution, 
and I would often, you know, talk to parents whose students were just starting or when they were, were uh, considering the school and their concern was always like a threat of violence or harm from people outside the institution, you know, that like crime in the area or things like that. And we'd always have to sort of refocus them on, well, you know, let's think about the harm that can be within the school itself. And, you know, the reality that things like, you know, hazing and stalking and sexual assault are often going to be committed by another member of this community. And that's a really hard thing for a school to say, you know, because the school doesn't want to understandably doesn't want to create any fear and doesn't want to make it seem like they're allowing these issues to, to occur. But the reality of it is like, you have to acknowledge that before you're going to be able to actually address it and do something about it. So um, yeah, I think it's really important to, to talk to the students themselves to, to figure out like what are, what are the real harms here and what are the things that we need to be aware of. Okay. And uh, we also cover K-12 schools on campus safety and obviously sexual violence and assaults doesn't only happen on college campuses or to people of a certain age. So uh, can any of the actions, you know, we've discussed or that you've recommended um, for college administrators, college administrators, excuse me, also be applied to administrators in K-12 schools? Absolutely. Yeah. And we've seen, you know, I've been following the, the news in the past couple of months and we've obviously seen a wave of sort of protests and students, high school students speaking out against um, sexual harassment and violence occurring at, at their school as well. So um, I'm glad to see that, you know, those students are feeling empowered to, to speak out also because it can be even harder for, for high school students, I think, to really find their voice and feel safe doing that. Um, I, I think some of the certainly some of the same things apply in terms of administrators understanding where, what are the high risk situations that are happening at their school? You know, what are the, the groups or the communities in which there might be um, increased assault happening and how can they really understand the, the sort of environmental factors that are um, maybe making people unsafe and, and some of the um, ways that you're gonna address that are dependent on, you know, knowing where it's happening and, and why it's happening. Obviously having policies and just being really transparent about here's where you can go, you know, if you experience sexual assault um, and talking to high school students about that, the bystander in intervention piece and how they can, you know, speak up and support a friend and um, try and, you know, do their part in creating a, a, a healthier, safer campus community, uh, sorry, high school community, I say, but it, it all translates, right? And I think it's, um, it's just important to think about the same way we do with institutions of higher ed, important to think about the, it's not just gonna be a one size fits all and it's not just gonna be a quick fix or like a one-time presentation that it is about, you know, having this more sort of comprehensive approach. Yeah, I think um, it's not related to sexual violence, but obviously I think the, the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas made such a big impact on students, like having voices for themselves, no matter what the, the topic is. And I just feel like that was such a catalyst. And you see so many more students willing to speak up for themselves and their friends, no matter what the topic is, but related to campus safety and feeling safe. And I think, you know, at least something good came out of such a terrible thing. And like, I hope that it just keeps students need to realize that, yeah, adults make the rules and they're the ones that make the decisions, but like you, you can make such a big difference and such an influence and it's important. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. It's been really um, 
encouraging to see young people feeling empowered and safe to use their voice. And I think even just, you know, this generation having access because of having grown up on social media and, you know, having this degree of awareness of sort of, you know, what's happening and the reality, you know, I, I look at my young children and even apart from the fact that this is what I do for a living, you know, they have an awareness of things like sexual assault and harm and, you know, are not isolated from those realities. And it allows me to really have a conversation with them about it at a younger age. And I think gives them a, you know, a, a perspective as, as a young person of what, what can they do to address it? And um, I, I'm really hopeful that that's going to continue to um, create, you know, the change that, that we want to see.